Prudence. Dear Prudence. Dear Prudence. Dear Prudence. Dear Prudence. Dear Prudence. Dear Prudence. Do you think that I should contact him again? Help. Help. Thanks. Thanks. Thank you. Hello, and welcome to another mini episode of Dear Prudence. I am your host, Danny M. Lavery, and this show is for you, our Plus subscribers. Our guest this week is Molly Woodstock, a biracial journalist, audio producer, and equity consultant based in Portland, Oregon. They produce and host an award-winning weekly podcast called Gender Reveal. And now here's our first letter. Okay, let's move on to something that is, I think, a little bit easier to kind of like cut through the weeds here. Um, I believe it's your turn to read this next letter. Yes. So the subject line is my dream job is uprooting my reluctant boyfriend. And it says, dear Prudence, I am a 35 year old straight woman in a relationship with a 40 year old man. We've been together for nearly two years and haven't had any major conflicts. Recently, I got a very competitive job offer of for a position that I've been working towards for the past decade. This would mean moving out of the small town I've been living in and where my boyfriend has lived for nearly 20 years. While we don't currently live together, he tells me that he is definitely going to move with me, but I keep discovering ways in which he seems to be secretly making other plans. For instance, he is very hesitant to begin to look for jobs in the new town and has suggested that my salary will be enough to support both of us if he can't get a job, though he is in a field where this should not be a problem. He also plans to leave most of his belongings in storage here, though my company is paying for the move. Every time I try to discuss these details, he gets defensive and tells me he is definitely coming with me and that I need to let him take care of these things on his own. I don't believe he's telling me the full truth about his feelings, but I can't seem to make any progress in having a genuine conversation about this, and I'm at my wit's end. Well, where can we start? Um... I can start with the idea that uh, the claim that he makes, which is you're you have no grounds upon which to ask me about my plans for getting a job, even though we're planning on moving together and like consolidating our lives even more. I think you can call bullshit on that one. Yeah. Like you actually are asking a perfectly reasonable question. And, uh, you know, if he's unwilling to give you an answer, that should be giving you real pause about making this move. Because he's also told you at this point, um, you know, uh, I'm I'm kind of planning on just letting you support me financially and not looking for a job, which are you interested in that letter writer? Does that sound like something you would like to do? Because if not, maybe make that clear to him now. Yeah, absolutely. I feel like I'm coming from somewhat of a skeptical or biased space with this question in that this person says, I don't believe he's telling me the full truth about his feelings, but I can't seem to make any progress in having a genuine conversation. And I'm like, oh, you're having trouble with a 40 year old man telling you about his feelings. You know, like, I don't know what to do with that. Like, of course you are. And I that's why I don't engage with 40 year old men who can't talk about their feelings so i am struggling to have a lot of specific compassionate advice it's barely even feelings that you're asking right. to talk about with him it's it's literally like hey what's your what's your job hunting plan gonna be and like 
I, I think to say in order for me to be a relationship with a 40 year old man, he needs to be able to talk to me about his plans for future employment. If we're going to move in together, that's a low bar and you can absolutely find 40 year old men who will clear it. Um, so you're already at your wits end. You haven't been able to get him to have an honest conversation with you simply by asking. I think now is the time where you take this really seriously and you say, hey, as things are right now, I don't want you to come with me. I don't want you to move with me when you have failed to share any details about your plans for a job search and you've told me that you kind of expect me to start taking care of you financially. That's a shame because I invited you to come with me because I wanted you to come. Um, so if you're willing to share some of those details with me, if we can agree that the plan is not for me to support you financially, but for you to actually take steps to find a job there, let's talk. And if that doesn't appeal to you, let's not move in together. Let's not move away together. Let's call it a day now before we waste any more time on this relationship. Absolutely. I think that's a very straightforward way to engage with it and probably what this person needs. I do want to say that while on the surface, the thing that he's refusing to talk about is moving logistics. It is clearly because he is very activated and defensive around something in this process. And ultimately, if you have the conversation that you just described, Danny, uh, and it goes well and you want to continue plans to move along with this person or for him to move along with you more accurately, like I do think it would be valuable to really dig at some point into those feelings and what is creating that activation and what is creating that defensiveness Mm -hmm. because without that more issues like this are going to come up even if you manage to figure out where he's going to store his stuff or whether he's going to get a job right right and i think it would also be really fair if you were like honestly even if tomorrow i gave him the come to jesus talk and he was like okay i'm gonna look for these five jobs and i'll bring all my stuff if you feel like honestly i'm so fucking frustrated that even that would not make me feel optimistic about the future of our relationship again now's a fabulous time to cut bait i'm frankly worried when you say we've been together for two years and we haven't had any major conflicts like i think sometimes people pour portray that as a sign of how great things are. If you're 35 and he's 40 and you've known each other pretty intimately for two years and you've never so much as like had a slightly charged disagreement that you couldn't resolve in a five minute talk, that suggests to me that one or both of you is not being honest most of the time. Yeah. I mean, I was trying to show some kind of compassion that I was not initially prone to show. But if your advice is to throw the whole man out, I will absolutely co-sign on throwing the whole man you know, out. And I, I mean, like, it's not that I'm not compassionate here. I just think that oh, like, yeah. you're, what you're experiencing right now is a sign that you have a pretty unhealthy relationship with this guy that just because there wasn't a lot of shouting or open disagreement, you thought, oh, this is pretty good. But like, It sounds like a lot of what you thought of as maybe peaceful connection was, in fact, unspoken, ignored issues and like going along to get along. And that doesn't mean that like it was all a lie and you two never had a good time together. It just means that if what you want is to like build a deeper foundation together and his response to that is shut up, leave me alone. I've got a plan. By the way, I might want you to like pay for my lifestyle uh, you know, I, I think that's really time to think about cutting bait. Yeah, no. And to be clear, compassion was 
not the correct term and I would never want to suggest that your advice was anything that's incredibly (laughs) compassionate, especially to this letter writer who actually deserves the bulk of our compassion. I just, my instinct was to be very harsh and say, throw the whole man out. And I appreciated you giving me space to do that in a more thoughtful way than I was going to do it. (laughs) Yes, absolutely. No, I'm so, so with you there. So this next one is... I think a lot of the questions we've gotten today are like very big. Um, And and this one is perhaps one of the biggest. Um, So big. It's very, very big. I'm going to go ahead and read it and then we could just start to sort it out. So the subject is forgive family. Dear Prudence, my husband, my mother, my best friend and my mother-in-law were in the delivery room for the birth of our son. He was born with very dark skin and hair. My husband is blonde and I am a fairly pale brunette. My parents and siblings are all fair-skinned redheads. My mother-in-law accused me of having an affair with a black man in vulgar terms. This was in the delivery room moments after I gave birth. My husband didn't say a word. My mother then blurted out that I was adopted. I started screaming and sobbing. My best friend told everyone to leave and the nurses herded everyone else out. I don't know who was louder, my son or me. Although my husband protested that he didn't care and loved both me and our child, we had a paternity test. It proved that our son really was our son, and apparently I was adopted. That I'm dealing with. I'm seeing a therapist. I don't want to deal with my mother-in-law, at least for a few years. I don't want to speak to her, see her, or have her around my child. She used words that should never be spoken. I heard them in my most vulnerable state. Maybe I could have dealt with hushed comments behind my back, but she was clear and vocal. My husband and I are in therapy together, but I'm not up to making nice with a woman like that. I don't care if she's sorry now. I was bleeding and she drew a knife. She couldn't drag her son into the hall to talk. I don't want her around me and I don't want her around my son. He looks like my biological parents. I wasn't prepared for this and I don't want him near a woman who uses those words. She, quote, insisted on being in the delivery room since my mother was. I just don't want her in my life for the next few years at all. Am I crazy for asking this? It feels like I'm pitting my husband against his mother. Whew, yeah, you know, it's a big question when part of it is, by the way, I just found out that I was adopted while giving birth. Let's not touch that part. Oh, man. But if we do take out all of that part and we just focus on the mother-in-law's behavior, I do think it is more straightforward than a lot of the questions that we've been talking about today in that my feeling is, yes, you can absolutely draw any boundary you want with this person. Actually, there is no reason to ever feel like you need to give her more space than you're comfortable with. She's already not showing you any respect or a sense of boundaries uh, by inserting herself into the delivery room while you were having a baby. She also showed no sense of respect or tact or ability to show judgment when she screamed that conversation in the delivering room while you were having a baby. So why do we think that she would show any better judgment or any better sense of boundaries in the future there's no reason to think that or give her that benefit of the doubt yeah and like my reading here too is that she used the n-word mm-hmm. like that that seems fairly clear to me from this letter and that's just again like more information about her choices and the kind of values that she has so certain like i hope you're also kind of processing your stuff around your mom who withheld this information from you your entire life and is partly responsible for 
you know, not certainly not your mother-in-law's behavior, but like the way she chose to address it in that moment, the way that she chose to keep it from you for your whole life. Like, I hope you're also giving yourself space to experience anger and frustration with your own mother. I, I would imagine possibly you feel like I kind of can't go there right now because I need to maintain a really strong boundary with my mother-in-law. But maybe not today, maybe not tomorrow, but I hope at some point you let yourself kind of sift through that. Um, absolutely. I mean, between the fact that like this all started because she invited herself into the delivery room. Uh, so it's not like she was doing an amazing job being a mother-in-law or, or respecting your boundaries or the fact that like giving birth is an incredibly vulnerable, painful, exhausting, all-consuming process. And whoever is giving birth has every right to say, you know, I don't want anyone in there with me or I only want this person. Like, and everyone's job is just to say, yep, sounds great. Yeah. I think the one thing I'm really happy for is your best friend. Your best friend sounds great. Like your best friend was the one person who displayed really good judgment, which is like everyone needs to get the fuck out of here and leave this person alone so she can like deal with having just given birth and then this. Yes. And shout out to the nurses hurting everyone else out as well. But I do want to say, even though this was not the part that we're supposed to be focusing on, I have adoption in my immediate family. I have transracial adoption in my immediate family. I have a family member who dealt with a lot of this information later in life. And I just want to give a lot of compassion and empathy to this person who is trying to navigate all of those feelings while also taking care of a newborn baby, while also dealing with the sleeplessness that comes with that, which for me makes it a lot harder to think clearly as well as the time loss, as well as just having to focus on and wanting to focus on another being all of the time, as well as dealing with all of these other familial tensions and new boundaries and arguments. And I just, it's so much to deal with even when none of those other factors exist. So I just wanted to say that I see that that is a really difficult thing to be processing on top of everything else. And I hope that they're doing okay with that. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think all of that is an excellent point. I, did you get Did you get the sense reading this letter that the husband is either directly or indirectly pushing for a reconciliation or that this is just a general sense of pressure the letter writer feels kind of just like from the atmosphere? I was just choosing to believe that the husband was wholeheartedly on this person's side, because if not, that's a whole other bag of worms that we had to unpack. Does one unpack a bag of worms? But anyway, I I need him to be wholeheartedly on this letter writer's side. And if not, then that is yet another serious interpersonal relationship that this person needs to assess while having a newborn baby, which scares me, honestly, and I'm sure scares them. Yeah. Also, again, like, you know, you you have a non-white child and this woman's a fucking racist. Like, that's mm -hmm. also a pretty important reason not to let her around the baby. Um, absolutely. I wouldn't let this woman around a, any kid of mine either. Super reasonable. I don't even think you need to say the whole, like, a couple of years thing. Like, right. she's, she's, like, crossed a lot of lines. And I think there's sometimes a sense of, like, well, but she's the grandma. Like, surely after, after like, five years, I have to be okay that she, like, screamed the N-word in the delivery room and didn't even, like, even if you had had an affair, you had still just given birth, the thing to do in that moment would be to, first of all, you shouldn't have been in the delivery room, but then it would be, like, step out into the hallway, collect yourself, think, this is a conversation I can have with my son in 24 hours when everyone's gotten a little sleep. You know what I mean? Like, 
even even if that had been the case, even if she had been right, she still reacted in a horrible and a racist way. So, um, yeah. yeah, my only worry is that your husband is is pushing for this. If he is, I hope you can draw a really clear boundary and explain to him why that's not going to happen. Um, but my hope is that he's like, no, I get it. I'm with you. Absolutely. That's our mini episode of Dear Prudence for this week. Our producer is Phil Circus. Our theme music was composed by Robin Hilton. As always, if you want me to answer your question, call me and leave a message at 401-371-DEAR. That's 3327, and you might hear your answer on an episode of the show. You don't have to use your real name or location. And at your request, we can even alter the sound of your voice. Keep it short. 30 seconds, a minute tops. Thanks for listening. 